So I am sitting here with Brent Kirby. Um, I'm I'm interested in what what do you classify yourself as these days, genre wise or music? No, genre wise. Um, I don't know. I guess I'm just kind of folk roots, kind of, but rock. I don't know. Yeah. Um, a little bit of country, a little bit of rock and roll. Uh, I'm like Donny Osmond is who I am. That's like, no, I asked that because I was reading about your your uh, your latest album, and you were saying some things about how you you're trying to break out of some stuff or feeling pigeonholed. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there was a certain certain while that people thought that I played country music, and I, you know, while I love Graham Parsons and have a band called the New South Shoe where we do Graham Parsons stuff, and love country music, it wasn't. It wasn't country music in my mind, you know. It was more, it was more folk Americana, I guess. But people would literally say country. That would be the genre that people would put me under, and I just thought that wasn't true, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, where does music first get its hooks in in you? As uh, you know, as far as back as you can remember, you know, Ray Flanagan. I know you're close with. He was mm-hmm. uh, the first first one I had on this show. And yeah, I went when I went back looking into his stuff. Like, I find like a picture of him holding the guitar. He's like three years old and stuff. Right. Like yeah. My dad was a band director, and so um, my first memories were going to marching band shows and jazz band shows and concert band shows, and um, you know, very early on seeing kids playing music and doing it together, and then uh, you know, going to these competitions, and I could see the camaraderie that was built up and the pride that they had and you know the respect they had for my father and and so very early on I, I it was just in my household and my father um in addition to being a band director was a composer and so he was constantly composing writing for his bands and you know selling pieces to other band directors and stuff so it was something that I saw very early on like he was putting notes to a page and repetition and you know just working on things and he would get done with dinner and go down to our music room in the basement and and just write you know and so it was always just something that was around me and then uh, I believe I remember in second grade I got a pair of drumsticks I found a pair of my dad's drumsticks and I started just hitting things around the house pots and pans and things like that and then um, when I was in fifth grade I, I joined the band and uh and i was playing percussion and um and then my dad got me a drum set and so then it was it was off to the races so he didn't um sort of hold your hand or lead you into music you you kind of like say i want to do this on my own there wasn't um, i don't know like, if we never talked to about this it. or that or you know he you never, should try this like some parents purpose. are like do piano lessons because it'll be good for you or i didn't take piano lessons but when i was in high school um, I, that, I started, I should say, I, I think I wrote my first song. I remember writing my first song when I was seventh or eighth grade and it was on piano and we had a piano in the basement. So I would just go down and mess with it. And that's the great thing about piano. You just go up and hit a note and you can, you know, you're playing hit piano. two notes and all of a sudden you got a chord. It's like, Oh, that's happy. That's sad. And you know, then you just start moving things around. And, um, I, th- we had a, a family friend of ours who wrote this book, um, and it was like self-published you know, and it was just his handwriting, uh, and he uh, had this really great method of it, it, of how to start playing piano, 
and so I just started to go through it, and I and I, you know, burned through the. I think he had two books, and I got through them right away. And then it was just like, okay, now I'm reading sheet music. We had sheet music everywhere, you know, and uh, and I think at that point it was Billy Joel um, that I had picked up on, um, you know, with the piano and learning some of those songs. So, you know, by the time I was in high school, I was able to play songs on the piano, some of those Billy Joel songs that I couldn't even play right now if I tried, you know, scenes from an Italian restaurant and things like stuff that was kind of complex, but Mm -hmm. I didn't know any different. I didn't know it was was hard or didn't, I just wanted to play it. And so I just figured it out. And when you're a kid, you got all the time in the world, so. And so drums was your first instrument. Drums was the first did instrument. Did you stick yeah. to that for quite a while? I did. I went through, I went all the way through high school. Uh played in percussion ensembles and started playing bands uh when I was 13. I think I played my first bar when I was 13. Um and I made then, the joke to my sons several or joke about my son several times like you can do anything you want but learn how to play drums. So you just have a <laughs> right. fallback. Right, you know, right. Just find a band. To it's play true. With. It's true. Yeah. So all the way through, all the way through uh, high school, I played percussion, drums, um, but studied, you know, percussion. So you know, timpani and marimba and and all those, all the instruments. Um, you know, was in Stan Honor's jazz band. And, you know, did all that stuff. And then when when I went to college, um, I was a music major. So it was a double major, recording engineering with with music merchandising. That was the double major and then a business minor. But it was a music major still, so you had to have an instrument. You had to have a uh, a, a thing that you were doing. So I, I did percussion all the way through there, too. Now, with so your dad having a career in music, do you think that opened your eyes more so? Um, I think some people with the arts... You know who you know they aspire to be an artist, whether it's you know a painter, a musician, or whatever. Um, you don't know if you don't know about certain facets of like what you can do with that art that are just practical jobs. It seems like it's magic to like at least to parents be like, oh, you want to be an actor? I don't even know. You can't, you're either going to be Robert De Niro or you're going to be nothing, and mm-hmm. not realize there's these whole like careers that can be occupied like what you know what your dad did for a living do you think that gave you some insight into like oh i want to go into music and i know like where the just jobs are beyond like i'm going to be a big rock star no i don't think i had any idea (laughs) i don't think i ever and i don't ever I, i never thought that i would wanted to do what my dad did right you know and so i didn't i didn't see that as a career path for me i didn't want to be a teacher it wasn't something i just wanted to perform i wanted to play and wanted to be in the studio and uh and you know eventually i got into writing more songs and so that's really kind of what i but i didn't know how to do it i didn't know how to make a living doing it like you know like i do now how you know back then i had no clue and i didn't have and i didn't have um i don't think i had a a, a mentor in that respect uh, you know, an example to look at, like, oh, that person is doing exactly what I want to be doing. It wasn't necessarily there. I kind of fumbled through it, you know, till I, till I, uh, I did. I mean, mainly till I got to Cleveland. Then I, then it was, then it was more of a thing. Like, okay, no, I, I see people who are doing this, and I understand how and 
what I need to do. To nope. Where were you happen. coming up, uh, growing up, and then going to college? The two different places. I didn't. I thought you were a Cleveland. Uh, no, native. no. Uh, Wisconsin. I grew up in Wisconsin, outside of Milwaukee, a little town called Oconomowoc, and then went to college at University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. <laughs> it exists, and uh, and then I did an internship in St. Louis and lived there for a couple years, um, and that's when I got into. Uh, I was doing a studio uh, job there, but then also um, music retail. I got into music retail. I was working at a vintage guitar shop. And uh, so then I, but then I realized I really like the idea of talking to musicians and helping musicians with their, uh, you know, their idea of what a sound should be. You know, I want this. And it's like, okay, well, you need this amp or this pedal or this guitar or this pickup or these strings or, you know, I, 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 I like that problem solving part of it. And, and, it really kind of uh, it was a it, it was something that jettisoned me when I moved to Nashville. I was able to get a job in a music store, um, and uh, that you know enabled me to make a living while I was living in Nashville. And I was there for a couple of years, and then moved to Chicago through Sam Ash Music um, to help run a, one of their stores in Chicago. And then they moved me to Cleveland uh, to be the GM at the store here out in Lyndhurst. And um, and I did that till I decided that I didn't want to do music retail anymore. I just was sick of it. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know what to, what I was going to do. I didn't have a job, but I knew I didn't want to do that anymore. So I just quit a perfectly good job, walked right out the door, and had no idea what I was going to do. But I just knew I didn't want to do that. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was it was pretty liberating to be honest. You know, I was glad to be done with it. Get you to the bone 
wrapped up Not much left for words A patient spent Present is less than preferred Keep it safe Somewhere they can't touch Keep it safe If it becomes too much Keep it safe Whatever's enough You got to Keep it safe interested in that um it's one of the things i've always wondered how musicians acquire their gear knowledge mm-hmm. um is that something you came into the retail experience just having from what, school or pulling yeah, out there, I mean, or did you was... learn it on the job like just having access to everything you can learn what everything does and sound like both i think yeah definitely you know uh the recording school that in oshkosh at that point i believe was one of the top 10 in the United States. And so it, it had nice facilities and you got decent time in the studio. So you, you were able to, um, you know, kind of dig in and, and understand. And, you know, I, I think recording still comes down to concepts more than, you know, 
uh, like if you understand signal flow and you understand, you know, what compression is, mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter what you're using. The, the same concepts are still going to apply of how to use that. And so the, the, I think that was an understanding that I had going into the music store stuff. And then, then I started to get real deep. You know, the vintage guitar shop was crazy because we would have 58, you know, um, flying V's, you know, that there's less than a hundred of them. And we would take them apart and look at the screws and look at the pickups and look at the pots and look at the wiring and just deconstruct, just deconstruct everything. And, and you know, the different hue of the knobs that they had in that particular era, you know, it was, it was just, yeah. So some of that minute knowledge I was able to gain at the music store, um, music stores. And then, uh, you know, when, it, when, I got into the kind of the big box music store, Sam Ash. Then it was, you know, more gear understanding of, you know, guitar gear mostly, mm-hmm. you know. But then some audio stuff too. And you had to have a general knowledge of different things, especially in management. You kind of had to be able to, you know, cook in the kitchen at any time <laughs> that the cook was sick, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so you just walked down on that. What did you walk towards? Um. Well, I ended up um, uh, working with a group called Roots of American Music, uh, which is a, a nonprofit that still exists today, uh, based out of Cleveland Heights. And uh, what they did was they t- obtained grant funds to go into schools to, to do integrated programming with music or history or math or whatever the kids were learning about. They would look at the Ohio State standards and they would say, okay, well, we can... You know, you learn about the Civil War. We can teach a song about the Civil War, and then we can write a song, you know, with the kids that they will write and they will remember, and they'll be able to sing. So they they retain it, you know, in in a better way. And so um, I was in the classroom, and then I was um, in the office with them, and you know, we went and pounded on 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 doors, uh, you know, in Washington D.C. and you know, for funding, you know, the whole nonprofit kind of. Uh, experience you know and had that Um, but that was still a part-time thing and that was I was starting to play and starting to gig and you know host open mics and things like that and so slowly but surely there was there were things that were happening you know now what brought you to Cleveland was it that it was Sam Ash music yeah they moved moved me here yeah yeah 18 years ago so 2001 I came I only wanted to be here for a couple of years and then move on, get transferred with Sam Ash to mm-hmm. another location, you know, someplace with palm trees or something. But and what about Cleveland made you stick around? Was it the you roots know, thing initially? I or? got involved with a pop punk band I was playing drums with, and they were really great friends. And you know, I think that it, it was something that I really needed in my life at that point was just really great friends because I had moved around. I had bounced around. It was like two years here, two years here, two years here, and I had made good friends. Um, but it but it it was something about, I don't know, it was, just, it was just the whole thing. I felt really comfortable in Cleveland because I grew up outside of Milwaukee, which was a medium-sized city on a great lake, and it's still Midwest, you know, and so I felt very comfortable here and the cost of living was low you know I was like well if I'm gonna try to be a musician then you know this is a good place and then you start to make roots you get you know you get uh, a girlfriend or you get you know uh, then I had a family and you know then 
and mortgage and <laughs> you know those all those things kind of add up and then all of a sudden your roots are pretty you deep. You are yeah. living the rock and roll life, my uh, friend. In Cleveland, yeah. Yes. In Cleveland. Yeah. That's the life they don't they don't make big behind the music's about that. Like no. that's not fun. It's like and then he had a family and he was decent yeah. and yeah. and he loves his kids. <laughs> yep. Yep. No, it's not much of a story, is it? Yeah, they don't and have we that. We kept that. trying to put heroin in front of him, and yeah. he just wouldn't bite. Wouldn't do it. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, where does uh, your career as like a working musician sort of um, start to take off? Because it seems like you're in a tier of musician that I see. I, you know, I've talked to musicians who are you know like uh, just now kind of breaking into like oh they can just go to any city and play, mm -hmm. and then there's musicians who are just here in this grassroots scene that are like just trying to like start to find their way it seems like you've had a pretty uh a decent career now uh i'm curious where where do you think things take a turn for you as a musician um and start to really pick up i think when i moved to nashville that was a big turn for me you know i i my first day in nashville i was in the studio recording eight songs with some incredible musicians and in this great studio and we were having our pictures taken and i was like wow it was just like this overwhelming experience right off the rip you know and then um that was a really cool time i think to be in nashville uh because a lot of the people that i listened to were were there and so they were they were almost my peers like i would see them at the bar i would you know sit down and have drinks with you know ryan adams uh go jam with him at his house uh did you have Boy, any exceptionally I mean, good Lucinda or Williams bad? Williams would be there. I spilled a beer all over Lucinda Williams one night, and you know, Gillian Welch and David Rawlings would be there just playing. And you know, you, Nashville is one of those places that you constantly just had amazing people coming through, and they were just people that you'd end up meeting. And I fell into a, a, a good group of people, you know, that were very well connected, and so I got to exposed to a lot of things. I don't think that I still knew what to do as a musician, you know. I think I was still pretty fresh. It was the first time I had really, you know, fronted a band seriously playing guitar. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd written the whole time and I had a few different things, one-off bands, but it was that when I moved to Nashville, that was like, okay, I'm a songwriter now and now I'm living in Nashville as a songwriter. And uh, so I was still trying to, feel my way through that you know but that was really kind of where it turned for me where it was like yeah i'm a songwriter that's what it's that's what i want to do is what i do my career path you know at that point was um i was working with sam ash and it and i had risen up through the ranks uh pretty quickly and so i had my sight set on being a gm it's what i wanted to do at that particular point in my life and and um do you regret giving up on that dream uh, which which dream the what the songwriting being dream? a general manager oh yeah <laughs> being a, it was it was just one of these things like i think i can do that you know and i had to prove to myself that i could do it you know um and so it ended up happening pretty quickly when i moved to chicago the store the, the store in cleveland opened up and they they offered me that and it's like okay that's what i'm gonna do yeah i they told me on a tuesday and i moved here on a friday it was crazy, yeah. And in between, I, I came here for a day and found a place and went home, packed everything up, and came here and unpacked. And I was at work that next Monday, 
It was the, it was a whirlwind. It was that's crazy. The fast and wild life of retail. It was crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Are there any um, artists that were particularly influential on you, either like locally that were immediately like around you and influential or on like, you know, the bigger scale of like someone who you look to emulate as you set forth like performing music and then you're like, yeah, that's 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 the stuff right there. 
I, I find I'm very influenced by the people that I surround myself with, you know, that, that, um, my friends, you know, in college, I was in a band, uh, all the way through college and, um, and different bands actually. And all those, all the songwriters in those bands, I still can kind of listen to what I write and, and direct it right back there. You know, I think that was a big nucleus of my influence of, 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 uh, of what I thought song should sound like i guess you know and that and in college i got into graham parsons so there was that and and then when i moved around i really got into dylan and bruce springsteen from the songwriting perspective you know like writing 80 songs for a record and, you know that kind of that kind of uh work habit um i that's that's one thing i always tried to emulate like just tried to be a real student of that kind of uh, process, you know, to 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 not just be a lazy songwriter, but be a disciplined songwriter. Do you have a creative discipline in terms of like uh, scheduling things, or I mean, some artists? Uh, I talked to Madeline Finn, and she was like, "Oh, I don't have a I don't have a discipline." And then she's describing it. I'm like, "Well, that's a discipline because it was just sort of a, like when something lands on her, she's like, well, I have to like stop and record it on a phone or mm -hmm. something or write it down.'" And to me, that's, you know, not letting things go. That's, that's a discipline as much as someone who's like, well, every Monday I make myself sit at my desk mm -hmm. until I come up with something. I've never had a problem. I don't think I've ever had writer's block in any way. Um, and I've always done that type of thing where I, you know, it, and phones make it real easy, but it used to be the cassette recorder. You know, I used to have a notebook and I just have, I still have, you know, boxes of notebooks of, meandering lyrics it was just i mean i kind of look at it it's almost a diary in a way you know just my impressions of wherever i was i was very good at um i i started to listen more and uh use that um to 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 get content you know and to get inspiration i'd go to the airport you know pre 9-11 and sit at the gate and watch people leave each other and greet each other and there's always so much emotion in those moments that I found if I was around there, I would start to make up these stories about, you like know. That. Kind of like fishing for inspiration. Kind of, yeah. 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 So, I mean, there was definitely that. And now with kids, it's different. It's a different type of um, focus, you know, because you really have to be attentive to what's going on because you don't want to, I mean, you don't want to miss anything. Mm -hmm. um, and so a lot of times it's like, you know, I'll have an idea and I'll pound it out and put it in my phone and, and uh, come back to it later. Or sometimes I'll forget about it. And um, my discipline is I don't listen to really, I don't listen to music in my car. I listen to my, my voice memos and my song ideas. That and is the I, trick with journaling or anything like yeah. that. I found is like, you can be really great about writing things down all the time. You also have to remember to go back and look at it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I I definitely feel like I have my process, you know. Um, uh, you know, assignments, songs like that, you know, they, they I don't I don't necessarily struggle with that. Um, mm -hmm. you know, if I have to write a song uh, you know, by 12 noon tomorrow, I can it'll happen. I can I can do it. Yeah. Um, but but I think uh as far as a discipline, you know, what I try to do is is um I do a lot of different things. 
Uh, I do bookings. I work with schools. I do songwriting programs with schools. Um, and there's a lot of computer work. There's a lot of typing. There's a lot of, you know, that kind of work that happens. Um, and I have a big to-do list and I just constantly am adding things to it and taking things off. Um, but I found that my work habit is kind of meandering. Like I, I'll get bored or I'll get uh, distracted by something. It could be anything. And um, I allow myself that distraction. I don't stop and say, oh, I got to pound this out. You know, no, if I have a song idea, I drop everything and I try to pound it, pound it out. And, you know, what I really try to do, the discipline for me is, okay, do I have like a lyrical idea? If it's a lyrical idea, you know, it's a verse, chorus, bridge. Like I try to at least get through the song. I don't necessarily worry about all the words, but if there's a song form there, I really try to get through the whole form. And then when I go back, I can, um, I can, I, I can remember where I was and what I was thinking. And then I can kind of slip right back into that moment. And I, and I've already done the work for myself, you know, and a lot of times for me, I do nonsensical words and they'll end on vowels or consonants. And then those will end up with repetition kind of turning into words or rhyming schemes or phrases or syllable counts, you know, and then I'm able to kind of easily put those things together, you know, but then I also have notes in my phone, just notes of everything. It takes place of the writing, you know, and so, um, and song titles too. I have another file for song titles, so I can just go in any of those banks and look for something that has value at that particular moment. And any one of those could be a starting point. Whether yeah, it's a song just, title, I, I mean, a melody, I'll just read idea, through it till I find something that's inspiring. Yeah, and and a lot of times I'll just kind of go through, and I'll just take notes and I'll write down, you know, then I'll write on paper and I'll write down every line or I'll put it on the computer, on a word document and just write down every line that I think of. And a lot of times I try to just do free thinking, free association, you know, a la kind of beat poet kind of stuff where stream of consciousness kind of stuff, like don't edit it, just write it down and then look at it. And then you can kind of edit it or take mm. your things out, but not, not editing it before it comes out, you know? Um, and so then I'm, I'm able to kind of piece things together and, and, uh, and come and, and finish things, you know? Right. Um, do you, f have you found over the years, um, this type of things that inspire you or interest you as subject matter have changed? Um, or you're, you just kind of open to anything that triggers the right emotion. I'm open to anything that triggers the right emotion, but I think, I think I write more about, I used to write story songs, fictional story songs, you know, um, murder ballads or whatever they might be to kind of step out of myself and be in somebody else's uh, head or something in the head of a murderer or something. Yeah. Like how, how does that feel? Like what, what? Yeah. I don't do that anymore. I really don't. It's not something that I think I consciously made a decision to do, but I don't, I, I find, I find it inauthentic for some reason for me anyway. You know, like other people do a great job at it. And, um, yeah. you know, but even listening, I think sometimes I, 
I hear those type of things where I know somebody's talking about something that they did not experience, but they're talking about it like they do. And it, 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 I don't necessarily think it grabs me the way that somebody really talking about something that's important to them does, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I don't, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily call that elitist because I don't think it's that. I just think it's more that that's what I, I'm into. That's what I dig, you know? Yeah. Like I really want to hear, what somebody has to say i don't care how it's said or whatever but like give me true emotion and um i'm in i'm i'm invested you know so i find my songs are a lot more like that they're not necessarily autobiographical but they're they're definitely i think i have to relate to the feeling i have to know how that feels in order to write about it do you ever think about as you're writing a song um that you're aiming to elucidate a thought or an emotion from someone who listens to it. Like if you're like, I'm going to write about a, a topic that matters to you or something thinking about like, well, I want to make someone, or if it's a story, like or thinking about how you want the, how it to land on the audience. I'm always very conscious of um, the person that I'm writing in first person, second person, you know, how universal it is. It's a he or a she, is it past tense, present tense? I'm always very conscious of that, knowing very well that, you know, those are also the tricks that you can use to flip things around, to, you know, jar the listener, you know, mm -hmm. to change the perspective. And so I feel, um, yeah, I would think so. I know that I've only allowed myself to like write songs out of like, it suddenly like it couldn't be contained mm -hmm. to some degree. Something hit me and I just had to get it out. And I find like emotionally, it seems like the things that hit me like that, it's less like, you know, I'm not a angry, grousy, upset, morose guy, but the songs, you know, my songwriting bug has always been kicked off by like being really bothered by something or agitated or upset as opposed to like, life is great. I'm going to write a song about it. <laughs> Let's face it, songwriting's therapy is really what it is. Yeah. I mean, it is for me, you know. Like, I I will write a song, and I'll go out and I'll perform it, and I'll feel that. And then I'll go perform that song again, and maybe I won't feel it. There's other times where then I'll go and perform the same song, or I'll do it differently, or and it'll just become something completely different to me. Then you fall into moments where you're like, oh my gosh, this is why I wrote this lyric 10 years ago. I never knew what it meant until this moment. You know, there's there's moments of realization that happen too. Um, it's therapy, but to me it's magic too. Like it's just, you know, you have to be willing to receive and, and you have to, uh, I mean, I think any creative person, you know, that gains inspiration from wherever they gain it from have to be open to that type of thing to the universe and yeah. what it's just going to hand you at the most inopportune time, you know, the best inspiration. There's songs that come into my head. I'm like, wow, man, that's great. But my phone's dead or my computer's not near me. And, and I let it go, you know, I'm just like, okay, well that was fun. Someone yeah. else will pick it up. Yeah. I mean, I just kind of like, it, ah, it just goes, you know, like, and, and I think about it later. I'm like, Oh, that was a cool tune, but I can't, I can't recall it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I think documentation is really important as a songwriter. You know, being able to have your files organized, being able to have your, just organized in your writing, organized in your, in your, in your 
your sounds, your recordings. Um, you know, that's something I've been really trying to make a bigger effort at as opposed to just having, uh, you know, when you sync your phone, a lot of times things just go weird places and sometimes mm -hmm. you can't find stuff, you know, or things get lost in an update or something. And, um, I try, I try very hard to make sure that things are organized so I know where they are and so I don't lose anything, you know? Yeah. yeah. I think that's a, an important part of the discipline, you know, documentation. Have, do you have a song that has had an especially strong longevity with you that you, you're still singing that, that has stuck around longer than other ones? Um, there's a bunch of them actually. Uh, one that comes to mind is a, a song called Girl I Love that I wrote when I moved to Cleveland and I was, uh, living in this apartment on West 25th and I had, uh, I've told the story a million times probably. So anyone who's listening, I apologize. <laughs> uh, if you've heard this before, but I was in a, in a bathroom at a bar in Tremont and it was written on the small and small pencil writing on the wall, right in front of the urinal, sitting there peeing and looking at him reading. I'm like, the girl I love is all tied up. And so I walked out and then my friends were sitting at the table and I was like, man, I'm going to write this song called this. And my buddy's like, I saw that. I'm going to go write that song. I'm like, <laughs> like, no, you're not. And I went home and wrote it so he right away so he wouldn't steal it, you know. And and that song has kind of transformed and and evolved and changed with me. And um, still is a song, uh, you know, I played on Sunday and we played it, you know. It's something I play pretty much every time that I play, you know. So it's got to have probably 300 plus plays a year <laughs> at, the, at the least, you know. Wish that I just didn't told her She was so beautiful 
I've always tried to do with my songs is if I get bored with them because a lot of times you know I'm doing you know 
10, 12 gigs in a week during the summer. And I literally would be playing the same song three, four times in a day. And so you have to make it interesting. And so what I do a lot of times is I change keys. You know, I move the capo up and down, you know, I'll change it a fifth or a fourth or, or, um, you know, I'll change it to minor. I'll change it to, I'll change the feel, you know, to a waltz or something. And, um, and, and that gives me life in the song. And, and with that song, the girl I love, that's what, that's how it's evolved. It's kind of just changed styles. It's changed the way I sing it, the register, the key, all of that. And so then, and I still play it differently. You know, I, I still will find myself changing things on it, changing the key and changing the melody and sometimes even changing the word. Like I'm, 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 I will go back and rewrite my songs that I have recorded and put on records. I'll go back and rewrite the bridges or something you know because that doesn't to me it's my song i don't i you know i'm not stuck to what it was at a moment in time you know yeah. to me it's an evolving thing and if i can make it better i'm gonna do it in my mind <laughs> and not everyone might agree that it's always better but you know yeah it needs to feel good to me um do you have you seen a change in how you define success now versus when you were first embarking on music and it's asking it's probably the most common question i ask of uh musicians is just how are you defining success and it, it, everyone's got a different answer it was actually recently with um zila uh i was talking you know talking with him and then hanging out it, my answer kind of landed on me like an anvil where i just realized like for me at least music the success of it, the the one I really want to hang on to, it's it's a success that you discover music, mm -hmm. that you find music and you learn the joy of just supporting local artists and mm -hmm. getting out there, and the fact that you know I I discovered I like playing music, I found a wife, I have two great kids, and it, I try and, like that just kind of hit me and it just landed on me like I've got my success I'm playing music mm -hmm. whatever I can and I've met all these incredible people because of it um, I'd love to be making making money and records and playing for a lot of people but at the same time like that's the one thing I see as a common thread amongst musicians just like you know what I'm I'm already kind of this is already great but finding it but I have the luxury of like oh I can make a living on the side and just mm -hmm. say that but mm -hmm. um for a musician like going into it and discovering like, well, what's going to be success for me? Is it selling this many records? Is it just going to be like m sustaining myself and making a nice life for myself? Mm -hmm. And I'm curious with, uh, with the career you've had, if it's changed for you from where you were in the beginning to where you are now. I think when you're young, you think you're going to be a rock star and that, you know, you're going to fly in planes and do all that stuff. And you know, how, how, what's, I don't even know what the small percentage of, actual musicians who go out there and start doing that are, but it's got to be like 1% or less. Well, that bad actually, as wealth and equality is in America, I imagine it's a thousand it's, times worse. It's than probably got to be at least somewhat proportionate, you know, but who knows? Um, to me, it, 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 I define, well, Bob Dylan has this quote and I've quoted this t to other people too. And I just actually have it cut out in a magazine I have it cut out and it's right next to my desk in my music room downstairs and it says 
what's money? A man is a success if he wakes up in the morning and goes to bed at night and in between does what he wants to do. And I really have always, I, that, I mean, I really do define that as success, you know. I don't wake up with anxiety anymore about my work and I don't work for anybody else. So I can make decisions based upon my gut. I don't even have to think, but I can I can say to myself, ah, that feels like the right thing to do. And I don't even know why, you know, my better sense of judgment is saying, no, don't do this. But my gut says I need to. And so I do. And usually it's the right decision. You know, like I, I don't think I've ever, I think in that there's no regrets. And when you don't have regrets about how you're spending your time, when you're in control of it, um, that leads to, to happiness. Um, but I have, a wonderful wife and I have two kids and uh, a house that I love and want to, you know, make better and, and, you know, mow the lawn and build a garden and, you know, all those things. And so for me, if I can make that happen, whatever I need to do to make that happen, I'm, I'm game. I have everything I want. All I want to do is keep it. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel. You know, I just, and as far as musically speaking, I play with incredible musicians. I feel, I mean, they're really talented and I feel completely lucky that I get to write music and play music with these people um, in all the different groups that I'm with um, that that I feel very fulfilled musically and creatively. I, no, I don't feel stifled, you know. Um, I think I've worked it out in my life where the things that I'm doing are the things that I want to do and want to keep doing. And so I can just keep piling in on that, you know. Yeah. So yeah, no, I feel, I feel very successful. I don't feel like I'm not a successful musician because I'm playing music for a living and making the bills, you know. And and so, and I'm happy. So that's I in mean, my book. That's an incredibly successful musician. That's where I yeah I feel that way too. You Salute know? or cheers. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> we'll drink to that. <laughs> so you set up your roots here in Cleveland, and you. You have the ten by three. How long has that been going on? Eight years in June. So the ten by three for uh, anyone who hasn't uh, heard of it, that's you have ten singer songwriters uh, play three songs each, at least two originals. Two required to be original, and then the third can be original or cover. And, yeah. and then you do a good job of of making sure it's an attentive room. I shush everybody. Yeah, it wasn't always that way. We, I Isn't guess, there also like a flyer on the tables that there tells is, you to yeah, shut the signs up. up. Yeah, yeah, it just slightly. Says, yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to be a, a dick or anything, but you know, it's a Wednesday night, and there's a bar next door, and there's a bar in the back, and if you don't want to listen to music, then just <laughs> go someplace else for the evening. You know, like I, I just wanted. I really thought. Um, I had I had the philosophy for a while, which I don't think it was a wrong philosophy at all. Um, I just changed the way that I wanted to approach it. But it used to be that I wouldn't shush anybody, and and I w- would say that you know um, people are there for the music because I turn off the TVs, you know, There's no TVs, and uh, um, that's been for a while that we've had the TVs off. That was one thing I had really on, you know, I'm not going to try to compete with the TV. I love that so much because I get distracted, you know, like I'll, I'll sit there to get there's a TV in front of me. I'm watching TV. Like I don't have to think about what I'm doing, you know, I'll just sit and watch TV and that's just unhealthy to me. I think the first to, time to I went there, the TVs were on because it was the 
basketball. No, oh, yeah. Stuff was going on. Oh yeah, that no, was I, like the first one I went to. Though the TVs were on. <laughs> man, yeah. Everybody was watching it and commenting on it. Yeah. But I guess that was the, one of those the, final you, basketball games. That was, yeah. One of those I, things that was important <laughs> that yeah. I don't really follow. I wouldn't have had it on <laughs> myself if I had been there. Well, See, that was the one it, you, you it, were at. It, it, yeah, literally, I, I have, go I have taken else. the game sevens and been like, no, we're not doing it. If you want to go watch next door and hear it's about music. Yeah. You know, so I, 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 I guess what I was going to say was that they, they, I originally said, yeah, you got to earn it. You know, you got to earn the audience. You got to earn their attention. And people could come in where they'd hit a note and all of a sudden, room would be pin drop quiet so i knew that people were there to listen to music yeah weren't there to watch tv because there's no tv and somewhat social but um and then a couple years ago i was just like you know i'm just kind of i don't want to have to fight through that noise anymore you know and musicians are the worst honestly you know like i have to shush musicians more than anybody else because they get in there they get off stage and they start talking to people or or um, you know they show up to, to 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 see other musicians and they just start talking. It's like I have to. Musicians are the worst but when you, it comes to talking. But in it a is bar. on you as yeah. the host to do that. I was just um, I interviewed a, a musician on Sunday and he told me the story of um, he was playing with these five guys who are really amazing. But then uh, and they were kind of like doing something for the first time all together, just seeing how it went and. Then during the show, there was like some people talking in the back, and one of the musicians like stopped, stopped playing, and kind of called them out. Mm-hmm. And and he and the, you know the guy I was interviewing was like, "You don't do that. You just you play mm-hmm. through, and um, to some degree, it's because like you're not gonna you're not gonna shame the audience into liking you to some no. degree." Um, and I've always had that philosophy too when I played rowdier rooms. Like, you know what though? It feels cool when you when you when you realize you you won them back over. But mm-hmm. it is I, I do feel like it is on it's on the host to be doing that, not necessarily like the audience, unless it's truly rowdy, but if you're just dealing with people are having a conversation in the back and you've decided that's disrespectful and the room should be more reverent to music than that. I, I think it is the host's job to, to set up that environment. Yeah, and really, you know, Brothers Lounge has been a real, really great partner on the, on the whole thing. I mean, they basically give me the room for the night is how I view it, and they kind of let me do whatever I want. And, uh, you know, because there's always a consistent crowd, and and it's it's really kind of, it's helped connect a community to brothers, which I know they appreciate, Um and so they, you know, when I said, "Hey, I want to do this," it was they were they were on board, you know. I'm now, like, what hey, prompted you to want to kick this thing off? The ten by three originally. Yeah. Um, I wanted to do well. It comes back to earning a living as a musician, you know, and knowing that one thing that you can do on a Sunday night or Monday night or Tuesday night or Wednesday night is you can do an open mic, and so I had this Wednesday night at brothers and uh and then I talked to the owner and I'm like yeah I want to do something different you know and uh I had this idea of uh from 12 12th and Porter which is a club down in Nashville and there's a guy named Daniel Tashin and he just won a Grammy for best country record produced it um and uh just super talented guy um 
And and so he used to host this Monday night thing at Twelfth and Porter, which is one of the premier rock clubs in in Nashville, um, where it would twelve bands play two songs each. Of course, it's Nashville, so you would get like you know, here comes Kenny Wayne Shepherd, or here you know, just people just showing up that would be like, oh my god, it's amazing, you know. Mm-hmm. And but I liked the idea of like you know you. It was two songs, and then it was something different. It was something different. And then you could go up and play two songs. And they had a back line and a beautiful PA system. And, and so was it I the same that. as yours where it's, it's basically, it's kind of just a curated, but the bar isn't that high as far as who gets to play? I'm not sure mm-hmm. what your standards are, too, for how you select. Is it just whoever asks, or do you yeah. check out their stuff? And No, I don't screen so anybody. A- they just got to do original stuff. You know, and if and and and, and it, to me, as someone has written two, three songs, or can play three songs, two of which they wrote themselves, they deserve an audience. I don't care what level they're at. You know, I've had twelve-year-olds on up to, you know, eighty-year-olds, people who haven't played in twenty years and people who have never played before, and uh, you know, to me, it's a performance opportunity. Um, that you can really work out your craft. You can try things that you would normally try. You can learn how to how to how to uh, work an audience. You know, you can learn how to draw an audience in. And it's not just you know you being up there learning that on the job type thing, but sitting there and watching other people and how they do it. I learn a lot from the people that probably. I mean, I've seen. Well, there's been over eight years. There's probably been over two thousand individual performers because there's repeats, you know. But, um, and I've seen so many performers that I really kind of very much in tune with what's authentic and what isn't, and the things that that, um, like I really appreciate a lot of things that I don't think the general audience would necessarily see. I I learned so much from watching people at the ten by three. It's a it's my most inspiring night, honestly. You know, I always walk away thinking, man, that was amazing. Like, how did that happen? You know, it didn't exist before tonight, and then just the combination of everything goes together. I mean, I really, uh, I feel I feel that way about it. And that was the same thing at Twelfth and Porter down in Nashville that they had that kind of feeling. And so when I started the Ten by Three, I wanted to have rules. Because the things that bother me about open mics, and the reason I didn't do open mics, uh, certain open mics, was that you know there was favoritism. Some person would only get one song, but another person would get four, and uh, you know the times would would somehow change. And you know there's just a lot of lot of things that I didn't. I wanted to make the playing field as even as possible, and I wanted to make sure that someone couldn't pour out their heart as a first time performer doing these songs that they wrote about their grandma or something and then have someone come up and just, you know, play Brown Eyed Girl. I didn't feel like that was cool. You know, I really wanted to be around about original music and I wanted the playing field to be even with everybody. And I don't care, um, you know, how established somebody is. Like, they're going to get treated the same by me, you know, when I'm up there, I'm going to plug their guitar in. I'm going to help them out. I'm going to make them sound good. I don't, you know, I, I want everyone to have a great performance opportunity. And, and so I really, um, I, I feel like the 10 by three is a community. And I feel like 
what I've tried to do is create a community where music is respected and the attention is given to music. That's the reason that we're there and that it's something we can all share and something we can all collaborate. And we're seeing something that's unique. That's something that you can't go get um, by seeing a cover band or anything. You know, you, it's, it's original music. It's, it's every night is a special night. And if people buy into that, it's a really, really thoroughly enjoyable thing to witness in my mind. Yeah. We'd known each other for some time Listen to so-called clever lines with lights Our hearts are breaking And the chair that you are sitting in Is comfortable And you don't feel like moving anymore And I can't think of anywhere else I would want to be And I love to watch you dance across the floor As you come to me And this time it goes so fast We want to make it last And know my heart will be with yours everywhere Give my regards Fireworks above trees and yards Old houses of pink and setting suns And we make a choice The best we can First we lay And then we stand And find a place Where we feel we belong And I can't think of Anywhere else I would want to be Watch you dance across the floor as you come to me. And this time it goes so fast. We want to make it last. And no, my heart will be with yours everywhere. It's all in front of you And I'm so thankful for all I have Feel like I've been blessed, loved, cared for, and lucky too And 
And I can't think of anywhere else I would want to be And I love to watch you dance across the floor As you come to me So we first talked at the uh, Six City Sounds, which every, every time I say it, I'm like, it's a it's a really cool name, but man, it's hard to say. Um, <laughs> the uh, SSS. So, <laughs> I know. I, I don't like that. <laughs> um, so uh, they organized the what they call a mixing session, like a, a panel panel discussion, and a, the topic was on the the DIY and the grassroots scene here in Cleveland. Open mics, open mic, yeah, open mics and house concerts. And um, one of the things that I thought was interesting in there is like you were talking about, like, well, the talent and and people like you are, are doing a great job of like creating all these opportunities. And from what I've seen of going to open mics and house concerts, like there is, there's a lot of good local bubbling talent that Cleveland should be really proud of. I'm curious from your perspective, is Cleveland though living up to its reputation as like, you know, a, a rock city, a city that supports rock from the consumer perspective? Say that fast like five audience, times, right? Are they <laughs> as, as engaged and supportive of local musicians yeah. as... You know, because I know obviously the yes, local musicians are supportive of local music. <laughs> That's yes. Um, but yeah. I, I, I'm just curious with your perspective <laughs> so, uh, on, on the Cleveland audience scene. Are they coming out as much, or is there more that we could be doing? Cause that was part of the topic too. Is like, how do we let people know that there's all this great stuff like Open what you're curating house and concerts. other places yeah. around here where people can come out and see yeah. great homegrown Cleveland music. Answers no. Oh, we like pol- <laughs> we like political on this show. We need show. more audience. We need better listeners in Cleveland. 
You know, I think I don't think that people realize what a great music scene that we have, and I think a lot of people think that great music just comes from some far off magical place and then lands in Cleveland, not even realizing that you know there's so much great music that they can go and they can see for free at so many different venues. They can talk to the people, they can buy their CDs, buy their merchandise, become friends with them. I mean, to me, that what better connection with music would there be than to have that personal aspect of it, you know, as opposed to something you just see on the TV or on the computer where it's, you know, wow, that person looks cool, but I know nothing about it. Like, I mean, everyone's really approachable. And I feel like I, you know, um, but I think it's part of, it's, it's, it's a, and I'm, and I'll try not to get too political about it because I've had lots of conversations with a lot of people about it. And I have very, uh, very strong, well, it could get, just get super deep and take, you know, a lot of time, but to, to, to kind of, you know, uh, be as efficient as I can about it. Um, it comes down to uh, the entities that surround music in, in Cleveland. And so you're talking radio. Um, you know, there's some good radio stations. Oh, wow, radio is a great radio station that plays uh, Cleveland artists right next to the Rolling Stones, um, you know, seamlessly. Um, and so that's a, that's a great station. Uh, you know, WJCU, WRUW, college stations. College stations have always been Do you like think there's that. more that... But the like rest of it, you know... Cleveland has heyday like, you know, like, with WMMS like, and the buzzard, the, the city <laughs> um, government, or and uh, like people who were you they know, were breaking uh, acts, but it was a coordination between things in the you know, city. The Belkins, need to approach uh, and, more and be and like, yeah, we that need to create ended up opportunities kind for of live nation. Um, and, but and, and, and Henry Leconte at, at the Agora, it was it's a kind of frustrating. Like you know, every you know, like there was the fight for constantly rebuilding like on a daily Loans Arena or whatever, and that, that really so then that, there was coordination. Wrong, so that necessarily the isn't there. Um, it was quick and much. there's not a you know, they throw you know, all that money and it's has like, the like, summit, which is a great you know, radio you, station that plays a lot that, of that's always a thing. It's just like this no-brainer conversation, like oh, the arena needs to fix. It's like. And what so about that's just been like a real strength throwing a whole accuracy. bunch of money at all the great local music venues or something like that, that and that prop them up. Oh, wow, as opposed to like this one giant entity that brings everything in. But, but I, I just wonder sometimes if, you know, or two yeah, hour, if there's just more the city could be doing things. to like look, like totally look within itself and be like, look what you have right here and promote that to people coming into town. I mean, like we have... May, I love what Meg Stepka said about like, you know, we have people coming here from all over the world for you know art hospitals and things like that and they come here and they have no idea where they can just go and see a good local band anytime like just a, mm -hmm. a place that's known for you go there you're going to see good music it's not even about a type of music or this or that we have these venues that play you know that any that all the national acts come through you have your house of blues you have all the you know these venues but as far as cleveland being known for like what it's got that's that's very intrinsic to the city itself and the type of talents around here Look within itself and be like, look what we have right here, and promote that to people coming into town. I mean, like we have 
Meg, I love what Meg uh, Stepka said about, mm -hmm. like, you know, we have people yeah. coming here from like all over the world investment for, public you know, our hospitals into the music and things like that. And they come here and they have no idea where they can just go and see a good local band and just a, a place that's known for you go there, you're going to see good music. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that they don't, being that they do market this as a music city because of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Well, they market the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but they don't market the music. And that's that's why I asked that question. Is I feel there's a disparity with that. We mm -hmm. we hold ourselves up. You know, the well, Rock I Hall is part of the you know, iconography of Cleveland. My but what are you doing to recognize like what we have? But the other part of it is is um, there's something yeah. there to just make. Cleveland well, is, 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 city. is uh, music needs to be marketed as an asset, as a, as a as a economic driving factor in Cleveland in the same way that the breweries have been and that food has been and that sports are in this town. If there was much private investment and public investment into the music scene as there is into those entities, um, we would be right up there with Austin. Texas as far as being a music city with great venues with great music it really comes down to marketing you know well they market the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame but they don't market the music and that's, that's why I asked that question. Yeah. I feel there's a disparity with that. We, mm -hmm. we hold ourselves up. You know, Rock Hall is part of the iconography of Cleveland. But what are you doing to recognize like what we have here below the surface? Yeah. Well, I, I, I think there's another, there's multi-tiers to this process in my mind. And to me, it's a very clear road. It's like there's certain things that we all need to do. Um, part of it is is there needs to be original music from Cleveland that's in the public space uh, so that the general public can see that because you'll have people who live in the suburbs and they work downtown and they go downtown and they hear some music on their lunch hour or maybe they hear it in a happy hour or something but then they go home they go back to the suburbs they might see since there's not a lot of clubs in the suburbs there's a lot of bars, a lot of bars hire cover bands. So then, and then they listen to Clear Channel Radio on the way back and forth, and that's their musical experience. That's their culture. That's what they think Cleveland's about, and they don't know the culture of, of music in there. So the, a big part of it, to me, um, and that I have made an effort to do, is to try to put music in that public space um, where those where those. Uh, Listeners and potential yeah, I, I agree with you. There's an going to be able to see and hear, you know, people who are writing songs that reflect the community, and, and um, I think that's a really big part of it. You know, there's no reason that everyone that wears the Cleveland shirts they should be <laughs> they should equally be wearing their Cleveland shirts. They're going to be that Cleveland crowd. They should wear they should wear Cleveland band shirts just like they wear. But, you know, when you have public events, you don't have color light, you have great lights. So, again, it's the From perception the of, like, to the square, in that public space, what are you presenting? You're presenting something to you. presenting what you think the audience wants. Because a lot of it, and I've talked to a lot of people, free. make those you decisions see those waters waving at different entities. Down the hills and to yeah. the hall. Feedback where well, all those stars are shining, they want, they want this is our sound. And I'm like, I don't know.
because they, 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 you're, not, you're, not, you're not exposing them. They, they, they don't, they Float can't make the educated decision the factory, on that because you haven't exposed them to the other part. And the bridges, but they keep those fires burning, and that Christmas star they hang, you drop into the valley, it's just like your mother's necklace, and all these paths we're walking have fallen into force, this is our town. This is our town This is our town This is our town that I don't think a lot of people experience to be supporting a grassroots artist who's like, cause I, you know, just from knowing so many, there's a few that I've seen, like the actually, the guy who nicknamed me Beezy. When I met him, he, he had, I met him on a, you know, a sidewalk in New York waiting for an open mic. And he was a literal rambling man, like coming up from Texas, going to New York to play his shit, play in the trains, busk, play music. And now he's huge. He's he's on an, like a nonstop tour, and it's been so great to just be vested in that person's success. And in every degree that I've ever had that with someone, where I just I love discovering local artists and telling people about them, and feeling that like I'm really helping this musician. If I really like the new you know whatever album that's coming out by you know a major band, you know if it's Katy Perry or Gogo Bordello or whoever, it's like. They don't need my help. You also it, can't help them by letting them sleep on your couch for a while. Yeah, that's always fun. <laughs> a couple times. Well, I was just going to say, mm-hmm. I mean, I think like they're far 
part. Because I, you know, just from knowing so many, there's a few that I've seen, like the, like the guy who nicknamed me Beasy. Mm-hmm. When I met him, he he had, I met him on a you know a sidewalk in New York waiting for an open mic, and, I mentioned this and he was a literal rambler here, coming up from Texas, going to New York, play his shit, playing the train. <laughs> and now he's huge. You know, he's he's I think a, like a nonstop tour, and it's been so great to just be vested in that person's success. And no every degree that I've ever had that with someone, to have where I just I love discovering local artists and telling people about them and feeling that like I'm really helping this musician. If I really like the new, you know, whatever album that's coming out by you know a major band, yeah. you know, what you're doing. Katy Perry or Go Go Bordello or whoever. It's like. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, I think the other part, one of the other things, factors that, that weighs into all of that is like what you're doing with podcast, you know, and everyone doing their own individual things to promote um, the, the scene. And I mentioned this at the, at the, the mixer, sixth city sound mixer i did it um it, it, that you know i think everyone's to get into like live shows part, part of community it's in it. to any of those you know, no matter what you do you need to have something that's that's giving back to the community especially musicians okay um you know if we want to make this scene something then everyone's got to give something they got to give something of themselves to the to the greater good to the bigger whole you know and so doing what you're doing you know, spotlighting people like me or Ray or whoever else, Sayla, you know, those, that's, that's a very helpful thing. I mean, literally what it does, right? We will, it'll be posted on social media. We'll have a click through. We'll be able to send people to it. They'll learn about you. They'll learn more about me. Now they're more invested. And so, I mean, from the very grassroots uh, perspective, I mean, that's a huge thing. The other thing too, like is getting government, involved more too you know there's a tax system an admission tax in cleveland which is the highest in the state and we even had we had a fight to get it lowered uh, for the close yeah yeah well any 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 public event i'd be interested yeah to find out what was the genesis of that even the even the queue and the brown stadium there's an admission tax that's paid um hotels i believe have 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 a part in this so all this money goes, um, you know, so to that's pay a tax. City tax. The problem is, is that it wow. burdens the club. I had no idea. You know, when I play the House of Blues, and let's just say, you know, I get paid two hundred dollars or something, right, to go, go play at the House of Blues for an opening slot or someplace in the bar or something, and I get paid two hundred dollars. Well, I get a check for one hundred and ninety-six. Because I have $4 taken out for admissions tax. Now I'm saying to myself, why am I getting charged $4 to see myself? Like that doesn't make any sense. But that's the way, that's that's what the clubs are having to deal with. So clubs like the Peachland and the Grog Shop and the Happy Dog, if they didn't have to pay that tax, that would be a huge difference to all those places. And also keep, keep in mind, 
Keep in mind that major touring acts. It does. It seems acts, cr- incredibly short sighted when you're like, this uh, tax they, they, caused they this Cleveland man not to come here. That meant all of those fans did not buy more money beer Toledo and wine, or, or I don't know, a million other things forever. you can tax. That it's a city tax. Are already taxed. Uh, yeah. Like, so I, that I, that's crazy. I worked with a group, a, a coalition of music clubs, uh, the Gora and Henry Lacani and and uh, Sean Waterson uh, from the Happy Dog and. That's why I um, wanted to, that maybe that segues into, Chris I was curious and, too, about uh, um, Cindy from the Beachland. It seems uh, that now uh, with, we, with musicians, met I mean, the and, whole, the uh, whole paradigm way, has shifted as far as how you, know, you make money uh, support of each other. not selling. I did what I could to help. Medium um, really reach a certain threshold. I had, I had musicians send CDs to the mayor directly, um, like everyone. And then streaming, you know, it's a joke from everyone I've heard. Hey, like 25,000 people Lowering the tax on clubs like the Beachland and that, but they still have to buy a fortune cookie. A certain amount that's, it's not. But now it seems like, you know, but they're shifting then to, you have direct listener support with patreon mm-hmm. um you have and then you have live gigs becoming and there's a more emphasis on playing live um and then with cds being uh, uh financed through kickstarter which yeah I but i think i think a bigger problem is society successful kickstarter you know and that's that's a hard hard um, not to crack i'm curious about like the value how of that music went with what way, your expectations were and and because i've heard some people like go into kickstarter and be like oh this is a nightmare with all the rewards or that system, and and then um, just what and then just in general, what you what you think uh, the the life of a working musician has to be now that physical media sales have kind of dropped off in importance. Right. It is a nightmare with with all of that, yeah. And then just in general, what you think the life of a working musician is by being now that physical media is an artist and dropped off the Well, it, music is a loss leader for musicians at this point. It's a loss leader for bands. It's a loss leader for major label bands in a lot of ways. They're not looking necessarily to make money from music being played on the TV or on radio or anything on the internet on youtube or wherever they're not looking for that they're looking they're looking at parlaying that into capturing customer information then selling them tickets directly uh you know really comes down to live show and then merch you know and so that's kind of where that has gone to um where you you know you can spend ten thousand dollars in an independent artist on a record to do it right and make it sound good and pay everyone accordingly the way they should be paid. Or the only people doing and, albums are like, and, uh, and then put it out there, but you're never going to like something that has the only to be way an you, re- like you, this, will, this all you will regain together. that investment yeah, concept or is by playing live. You're something not, cohesive. You know, something cohesive. Most independent artists aren't going to necessarily be able to and make I, all I, that I money back. 
just by 0.004 cents on a Spotify play. It's not going to happen. I mean, I guess it could. Well, the people I see that are that are that are. That's what I mean. It, it, I see a lot, lot of people to, making to, to make that you know all happen, making a living off you know? of music. So it does kind of change the thing. Of sort of like, you know, oh, just, I just live off. What's of the point of putting out a record? You just like put out a single. You make a you living. Get the same, you, you're, you're uh, doing, you can get the same. You know, press, you can get the same amount of press. You can get the same amount of. Yeah. It, it, uh, um, no, but the the working musicians I see, like, yeah, they're they're going out there. They're doing gigs like like that on the reg. They're doing one song or two songs. I don't know what it is for a band. It's nice more bands just want to be a band live off that band. Like piece, they have to live off and, the road. Uh, the album is becoming a lost shows, art in a sense, yeah, you know. And concept, right? Yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of changed, you know. And I I I don't necessarily. I feel like, um, you know, I'm not sure where I fit into all that, honestly. You know, I mean, I make my money playing live gigs. You know, that's 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 what I do. So, it recently occurred to me with um, bands, especially, um, you know, if you're looking for a band that like you want to be on the road with and do like stuff like that, uh, you should almost like. Or I'm curious what what your criteria has been for how you've assembled people who have formed your bands. Um, has it been just the music, or is it equal parts like having the right chemistry? Yeah, I think right it's for a band. It's a lot. You're gonna it's like, a lot harder. As a solo artist, going with that easier. thing, I can, like, I can play solo gigs. What I've learned is like, I can oh, do that you're all day long, a band, and I can make that money like, and take 100 percent of that money. Also, home. kind of like if you're a band, put up the same sort having of criteria split that, that having you want to, for your roommate. Having to, uh, like, uh, especially if you're going to be on the road with them or something. Responsibility like, where it is. There's usually one person that does a lot more than the work of the other people, and, and yeah, uh, well, then, that's you know, it's that's a that's a harder thing to maintain, I believe. Exactly, you know, is a band. A band is a hard thing, regardless. But then you throw that into it, and it definitely, definitely is a different thing. Actually, that you that you would that you would be in an intimate relationship with. Yeah. I mean, a band is like having, you know, for guys, it's like having five girlfriends or something. You know, four or five girlfriends where you where you feel like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I feel like I've been lucky in the fact that I I've been through that process, and I think I kind I of like know being struck by lightning to play with and who I don't at this point. You know, and so. I feel like uh, my so my pool of musicians to to, <laughs> to go to for certain things are. I, I feel pretty rich about that, you know. Yeah. Feel pretty so, fortunate. You know, I think you just um, but yeah, bands are just uh, they're a hard thing to try to. Um, you know, you get it, 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 even just playing a gig with 
with with a band is a hard thing to do sometimes because you have you know four or five different people that are coming from their experience of whatever they had during the day whether it be frustrating or happy or sad or whatever they're coming in with the mood everyone comes in with a certain mood and it's hard and and it's also magical you know when you get that combination of things all happening and sometimes it's just the most amazing thing ever and it's like capturing lightning and then other times it's like wow this i can't wait to get done with this gig so i can go home because i'm sick of these fucking people you know like i cannot wait to be done with this so there's that too and those are the same people like that's the same band you know what i mean (laughs) yeah so you know i think you just find people that you can hang with you know people that you can't and you you i think as you get older you you you're able to determine those things a lot quicker, you know. Talent definitely has something to do with it. I mean, you, you have to have it. You have to have a certain amount of. I, I'm not in it to waste time, so and I'm not in it to waste anyone else's time either, you know. Vice versa, like I'm, I, like I look at somebody and say, okay, are they going to be able to play what I'm hearing, you know, as the songwriter, or are they going to be able to take direction? I can write a song. You know, are they okay with that? Are they okay with me kind of dictating what I'm hearing? Um, and so that's part of being, when you, I think as a solo songwriter or as a songwriter in a group, dictating those type of things dictates not the right word. But delivering those ideas to people, you, you definitely, um, you have to have the right person, but you have to have the right person who can actually play it. You know, you have to know the limitations of the person. I've I've always wrote for the people that are in the band, you know, and wrote songs specifically for them, you know. Um, and that, so that's helped me kind of. Broke down by South Road, even my rear tires blowed. Got the quarters and a nickel too. Spread myself a dozen telephone booth when the light of my love right. above shines through the trees. I thought it was a time to leave it be. I wonder why. Fell songs that tingle in my feet as I bought floated off the street where well, I ain't never been able to fly. Glanced up and wondered why I was flying. All I could hear was this blurred sound. And this smart looking lady, she was staring me down. She said, I call a piece of what she said to say. Time travel from a long, long way. Did you know you're not the only one that skidded on past the song? Well, I'm actually kind of funny, but I swear I always knew. Listen to these words, I speak to you. And listen to me, girl. Another call. There 
lost out while she blew my mind Just a stranger, different kind With lights so bright she wound me up with ease Didn't have to even say Come on darling, pretty please She told me secret is a king to be And change the static on our TV And broadcast from steering side to stitch We all gotta make our wish We're stepping straight and simple in the eyes But let me bless you, make you wise Goes like this I heard my alarm Slam the bone of my funny arm And my baby said come back to bed But these thoughts ringing through my head I was sitting silent, speechless, sullen sound With these thoughts that I had found Goes like this